Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is July 14th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Happy Bastille Day to all those out there. I'm joined today by Sean Bingham, our Director of Risk Management. Hello, Sean. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. Bastille Day? Yeah, it okay. is Bastille Day, man. Yeah, that one uh, slipped me. I didn't catch that on the calendar. Um, no, no, well, you know, I'll tell you what, if I hadn't watched the Tour de France this morning, I probably wouldn't know the same. And my, my French friend, and I'm going to reach out to him and wish him a happy Bastille Day. So there you go. Happy Bastille Day to all those out there. It's been a very busy week, as, uh, as most of <laughs> you know out there. And Sean is exhausted. Uh, um, and, and thank you to the USDA for the report on Wednesday. Uh, to really heighten the market up, up and down. We saw big losses on Wednesday for corn and soybeans, and uh, they've gained back. And gosh, you know, it's 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 a tough thing for them to do, I have to admit, pretty early for soybeans to kind of predict what's going to happen. And Nicole did a great recap of corn and soybeans on Wednesday. So if you listen to that, check that out. Um, but I thought today, Sean, what we would do is uh, you, you've you brought a lot of expertise on that technical end to McKinney Flavelle, and we're much appreciated, and our customers are as well. And um, you have some tools that you uh, utilize and help customers navigate through what to expect and find opportunities in that futures market. So I thought today you could just, uh, maybe it could be even a therapy session of what happened this week and what you expect <laughs> moving forward. Because I talked to you yesterday and you were tired. I am, I am, t- I am tired. You know, a little cliche, you know, TGI Friday, but this one's not. I mean, what what a week of data uh, that yeah. we got this week. I mean, you mentioned the WASDE report. That was just one thing. Then we had the CPI and the PPI yeah. data. And then we've got, we had the EIA issued another, uh, one of their short-term energy outlook reports. We've got crude oil rallying from, you know, shoot, uh, you know, a month ago we were trading below $68 uh, a barrel. Now we just, you know, went over 77 yesterday. So Jesus. it's, it's been a crazy week. And, uh, and you you mentioned that these tools, you know, I, I kind of I'll step back a little bit and I'll just say, you know, one of the things as a as a ex trader that if really anybody that, that has any exposure to the markets is when when we get these kind of data dumps, I'll call it. And, and they and they're often, you know, they're not all as, as unexpected as this last group was, but you know, more often than not you get some surprises thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And also more often than not, it's not just one thing moving. I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at multiple moving parts, right? So what have, what have we had this week? Well, we get, you know, we knew what we knew kind of what was going to happen because we had a prelude in the June 30th acreage report. So we had some ideas, but you know, here we go. We get, you know, we, we finally get confirmation of the, some of this stuff and uh, we got corn going one way, soybeans and soybean oil and soybean meal going another way, crude oil rallying. You got uh, CPI comes down lower than expected. So what's happening, the dollar's tanking now. And so one of the hard things to do is as, as a trader, anybody that has commodity exposure um, or bond exposure or equity exposure, and we all have some of that, is 
you know, how do you, how do you get a handle on it in the short term? You know, how do you, how do you look at at everything that's going on all at once and, and make some perspective, uh, you know, take some perspective on it and, and, and ask, you know, questions like, you know, have we, have things gone too far? Where where does value exist now? So, you know, we're all, you know, a lot of, a lot of fundamental analysis is, is purely trying to find trying to find value in the market. I mean, that's effectively what it is. We're trying to put a value on where things should be. Well, when you get these giant data dumps, trying to find value can can get can get difficult. And uh, yeah, I would just say also it becomes difficult, Sean, because uh, you know you you go based upon what the analysts are surveyed to think that that the USDA is going to do. You yep. you have what you think they're going to do, and then you have looking back in history to help guide you, but that may not be necessarily the direction it goes. And then I'm going to add this one is all the machine trading, the momentum trading that you keep talking about. So, you know, if you're a buyer of corn futures uh, for your corn sweetener, say for example, or um, it, it just becomes a very difficult, difficult thing to do. Well, not only is it not only is it difficult. What what else can happen is is some of these moves can be incredibly fleeting. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you look at what happened to corn uh, yeah. following this report, and I'll just talk about spot corn. You know, we shot down to uh, you know four eighty eight sub sub five dollars within a matter of days. Uh, retrace back a little bit and, and then came right down. And then, and then yesterday we, we jumped right back up. So how much time do we spend below 480? Not very much. And, you know, the question is, if you're not, if you're not kind of prepared about, you know, where, where you, where you think these, these markets can go and where, what levels might be attractive for you, you can, it's not like you can wait three or four days, gather up a bunch of people, talk about it and then make a decision. Yeah. You, you know, the, the market could be completely gone and, and it can happen. It can happen in a flash. And like you said, yeah. there's so much machine driven in this market today. As a matter of fact, I mean, I mean there's estimates that it's, that in the equity markets, it's well over 75% of everything is machine driven. And I would argue in commodity markets, it might even be higher. So the human element is, I'm not saying it's non-existent, but uh, yeah. a, a lot of computers are running these these algorithms now. So the, the time it takes to make a decision is can be <laughs> much, yeah. much quicker. But well, and that's what I love about uh, what you brought to McKinney. That was a systematic models is uh, looking at those momentum uh, shifts and trying to find opportunities uh, through the signals. And and that's for me personally been something that's helped me uh, get through some of these markets and say, okay, this is my goal. This is what I'm trying to do. And if I get those signals, I can balance the fundamental side of what I think versus, uh, you know, uh, what your, your models are saying. Yeah. I mean, one of the benefits of the model is, is when we remove that human element, we remove bias, we remove opinion. Uh, you know, we all have those. We're, we're all humans. We can't, we're not going to ever get away from feelings and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to trading, there's, there's a reason that most 
trading is now run by machines and that's yeah. because they want to eliminate that it doesn't mean that those machines aren't looking at all the different fundamentals and that's they're not looking at, at momentum and things like that they're just doing it uh in fractions of a second uh, as opposed to how long it takes us to make decisions and then when they get to a point uh, the market gets to a point that, that the that the program thinks there's something to do. There's no question about it. It just does it. Uh, yeah. There's no should we talk about it? What's you know it's <laughs> and and you know it likes to be left alone. It likes to be left alone. And 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 I, and I countless times I've seen uh, you know paralysis through analysis where someone will have a an area in the market that they want to buy and the market will go there and then they go, well, what happened? Maybe we shouldn't be doing, you know, maybe all of a sudden all the higher, or maybe yeah. it lower, you know, yeah. and all the questions come in and all of a sudden maybe you miss an opportunity. Maybe you don't, but, uh, well talk, if you don't mind, can we shift I want to, there's a lot of people out there that, uh, buy soybean oil and maybe you could give some perspective on, I mean, you, you saw, uh, a lot of people scratching their heads this week, um, you know, the USDA did not change the yield on, on soybeans. Uh, some thought they would, which historically they, they don't uh, or mm -hmm. haven't uh, or very few times have. It's pretty rare. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, what was your week like for that? And what do you think uh, moving forward, uh, uh, kind of your perspective on that? Well, I think if you put soybeans in perspective with corn, that's what everybody's mm. scratching their head. Yeah. Right. So we, we you know, we go, uh, we go from one eighty one and a half down to one seventy seven and a half bushels per acre in corn because of weather. Yeah. And and the last I looked out the window, we grow corn at the same areas that we grow yeah. soybeans. I mean, there's a little bit of a delay in some of the timing and. And uh, maybe the corn crop is a little bit more susceptible to bad weather, but but then to leave the soybean yield at fifty two, I, I think that was a head scratcher. Look, I, I I don't I don't envy the USDA job trying to put these numbers together before you know sometimes before we barely have a crop in the ground. But as far as soybeans went, it it looks up to me like they went way out of their way. Yeah. to not send soybeans over $14, $15 a bushel because they could have. Yeah. Uh, you know, they increased carrying by 25 million bushels. They took uh, crush down a little bit, you know, small uh, exports down 125 million bushels. The export number I can kind of wrap my head around. We have a huge Brazilian crop, right? Uh, exports have, have not exactly been trending higher, but it's early to be messing with the demand side of the balance sheet. So when it was all said and done, stocks, uh, ending stocks for soybeans only go, only dropped 50, 50 million bushels, 350 to 300. So I think most people think that even 300 is a lofty level, but, but USDA maybe just didn't want to, yeah. to shock the market completely. So, you know, it, and it goes, it goes back, uh, you know, kind of these tools. So, you know, what happens when we've got, when we've got all these things happening at the same time? And like I said, not only, not only did we see soybean stocks to use go from roughly 8% to 7%, you know, what does that mean in price? You've got crude oil going higher, which means in, in, in the case of soybean oil, it means heating oil or uh, diesel prices are going higher or will go higher. So what does that mean to the market? And so, one of the things, as you know, one of the things I, I really try to put together 
uh, or some of these charts and, and more so tables mm. where we can look at all these di- different variables, right? So let's just take soybean oil, for example. So soybean oil, we'll call that, you know, the, the dependent variable, the price of soybean oil. So we, we want to know what what is going to happen to soybean oil given any of these changes like in stocks to use, any change in the price of ultra low sulfur diesel, maybe in the price of the drought monitor, you know, in the index of the drought monitor. And we can do that. We can put some of these tables together that say, hey, you know, it, it, given given X and given Y, what can we expect to, uh, for price changes to be? So the immediately after that WASDU report came out, I could literally grab my table, get an idea of what the EIA just revised uh, uh, gasoline and diesel prices to, and put a pretty good handle of how much higher that prices should have been. Now, I think, I think in the case of de- uh, of soybean oil, we've extended those levels beyond what they should have been. But that's how markets react, right? right. Markets generally go too far, too fast, and then they'll kind of settle back in. So, um, you know, the I guess the point of of this this conversation is uh, it's much easier to get prepared. And, and have some information in front of you before all the data comes out so that you're making smart and logical decisions in real time as opposed to trying to gather it all up after the fact uh, and wondering why you know wondering why the price went to here or, or if that was too much it was not enough and, and things like that so uh, yeah all these tools I mean we have a bunch of them not a single one of them by itself is, is the is the holy grail, as some traders would say, but together we can, you know, we can we can look at all these different things and, and make some better decisions on on what quote value uh, is after we get these big data dumps. Excellent. Why don't we shift over to kind of what your uh, expectations moving forward as we end the month, uh, interest rate hikes, uh, that kind of stuff, and and how might that play into uh, soybean oil or soybeans? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how it'll play in, in, in a lot of things. So one, you know, obviously WASD for most people got most of the attention, but, yeah. but CPI, PPI came in came in well under expectations. As a matter of fact, I think I, I wrote about it, I don't know, maybe it was Tuesday, that for the first time, uh, the Fed has now gotten the Fed funds effective rate, the overnight effective rate, above inflation. And I'm talking about core inflation, which has been a goal since this whole process started back in March of 2022. So at least we have now reached kind of the point where I would say uh, the funds rate and inflation are now normalized. They're, 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 they're equal. They, you know, they're, they're where they should be. But that doesn't mean that the Fed's done. They're, they're probably, if you look in, in history, generally probably going to have to take the funds rate up well, I'm going to say the funds rate generally needs to get a little bit higher than the inflation rate to continue to push that rate down. Two things are going to happen there. One, I think the Fed's going to raise rates again okay. on July 26th. That'll probably be it. Another 25 basis points. Uh, and then we're very likely done for this entire cycle. The other thing is inflation's going to continue to come down. So there's always a lag effect in these rate hikes. Uh, you can argue how much time it is, you know, six, nine, 12 months, but we know it doesn't just happen immediately. So we are now starting to see some catch up 
in, in inflation. And so we are going to get that spread between the funds rate and uh, inflation is going to widen uh, with funds above. And that's a good thing. That's going to help continue to pressure uh, inflation to get close. I don't think we're going to get to the Fed's 2% target, but you know we're going to hopefully at some point get close to the 2% target. The question is, have we raised so much so fast that we're sending the economy into some kind of a low GDP, no GDP, uh, negative GDP scenario uh, recession. And if you look at the treasury yield curve, it's still inverted. The twos to tens are still inverted by 100 basis points. That's that's a that's a red flag that we're going to have some kind of recession. And uh, I think that's very likely. Now, again, employment is definitely a strong part of the economy. And maybe maybe that's what will keep any type of recession being uh, smaller. But we're we're going to see lower growth. We're not we're not going to see the growth that we saw even remotely close coming out of COVID. You know, we we were all locked down in COVID. We come out of COVID, everybody goes out, you know, spends and, and does stuff like that. We're not going to see that kind of economic growth and rehiring and such. So, okay, um, I have one final question yeah. for you, and then we'll let folks go for the weekend. Um, you know, the U.S. dollar has seen some weakness against other currencies, and obviously yep. it comes into a big play with commodities. Um, what do you what do you see uh, moving forward for the U.S. dollar? Well, that ties right into the ties right into this inflation and the funds rate. So, yes. uh, yeah, it's a good good tie-in, Mike. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for those out there, these are completely out of the blue. I'm just kind of waiting for him to ask the next question. Yeah. I really don't have any yeah. idea what he's asking. I wrote so him out last night. Just don't ask me anything about <laughs> soccer or the Tour de France. So I don't, I don't know anything about Name that. Name one writer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, it, yeah. So as far as as uh, as that goes, it, it ties it ties right back to inflation. And what we saw was we saw the biggest single day price decline in the dollar the day that CPI report came out. And that's no coincidence because now everyone realizes, and then that was confirmed with the with the lower PPI, everyone realizes we're at the end of this tightening cycle. Now, as far as the dollar concern is concerned, you know, the dollars, everything in when you talk about currency is relative. It's all relative to another currency. Well, in the case of the dollar, uh, we're, we're at the end of our tightening cycle. Uh, however, uh, the eurozone and the UK—they're still fighting some some much higher inflation. Uh, when you look at CPI measures, than we are, they have more work to do, and mm. that's why the dollar, relative to those currencies in particular, is declining. Now, Asia is a whole other story. Asia has actually been—you know, China, Japan—they've actually been lowering rates. So, mm. you know. If they had just been stable, you can only imagine how much lower the dollar could be. But I think, right. in general, uh, we're at the end of the cycle. Europe's not quite there, so we're going to continue to see some pressure on the dollar going forward. And that, you know, it's going to be good for our exports. That's probably going to increase our yeah. potential for exports, and maybe particularly corn this year, yeah. given given much lower prices. You know, sub five dollar corn and a much more attractive dollar than what we had in twenty twenty two. That could help. It it could help, and they left exports alone. I, I mean, I don't think they touched the demand side of the balance sheet last last uh, So maybe there's some up up upside to that uh, as well. But uh, yeah, I think I think the the trend in the dollar is no longer higher. Uh, it's either it's either sideways or or.
or slightly lower going forward. Excellent. Yeah. And obviously, uh, you, you mentioned that relationship between the U.S. and China uh, as it relates to exports, uh, it's specifically soybeans and corn. That's a big deal. So yep. uh, as we compete against, as everybody knows out there, the South American crops. So, it, it's a biggie. Right. Yep. Well, it's a biggie. It's a biggie. Well, I'll tell you what. Sean has a lot of different tools that are available uh, that we talked a little bit about today, but also he has a daily technical outlook that I love to read every morning, first thing in the morning. Um, so if you're interested in learning a little bit more, uh, uh, reach out to us at mckinney-flavel.com. Sean, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I'm going to give you one name, just in case you're somewhere and somebody says, name one uh, Tour de France writer. And this guy has the coolest name. His name is Sepp Kuss. And he is an American riding uh, on one of the uh, top teams there over the Tour de France. Sep and S E P. Sep Coos. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. That's a great writer too. There you go. You got it. So I'll send you all the information you want. About. All right. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute, moment with your friends and family. Don't take it for granted. Enjoy your summer, everybody. Until our next podcast. Take care. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.